It's time for Done Being Single with your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Scharf. If you're dating the same type over and over again, making the same mistakes and not finding love, then you're not done being single. What you need is some tough love dating intervention, Trevor and Robbie style. Whether you're new to dating or have been dating forever, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. Welcome to Done Being Single. With your hosts. Trevor. <laughs> and Ronnie Sharp. Okay, that was very well done. Hi, honey, how are you? You know, I'm doing all right. How's things today? Let's see. Pretty good. Pretty oh, good. good. I, I keep kind of doing a check, you know, mm-hmm. sort of a scan, check, inventory. That's important. Um, and I'm, I'm a little afraid to say, yeah, things are great. Because you just, I don't know, there's, a, there's something, having gone what we, we've, we are going through, it just you hold your breath a little bit. Well, I think that means that we have to find joy in every moment. Because the next moment may not be as joyful. So I think it's very important that we are present, living in the present. Right. And happy for the joy that we are experiencing right now. Excellent advice. And not anticipating the next crisis. No, we don't want to do that. But, you know, the reality is we are dealing with a lot right now. We are. And I think we're doing a damn good job. Well, I do too. But see, again, like there's this old Jewish saying that my, actually my mother used to say, and I think her mother used to say, if you, you know, I don't know, we shouldn't really play that sound effect anymore. I didn't even trigger that. It just comes automatically (laughs) when you mention your mother. (laughs) You have, you have trigger finger when it comes to your (laughs) mother-in-law. I can't help it. There's something that just happens. Uh, This is the worst Jewish saying ever. If you laugh in the morning, you'll cry at night. Isn't that terrible? That is the worst. That's not even bad Jewish. That's a terrible saying. That's such, like... If you laugh in the morning or cry at night... I've heard that all my life. uh, It's It's from the old country. But the point is, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, everything's good, it's good, it's good, and then you get a call. And, you know, something's happened. Oh, God. I like the old Jewish sayings where a guy's complaining about the restaurant, saying, the food is terrible. And the portions are too small. <laughs> to me, that's a... <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's a good Jewish saying, you know? So don't give me the... If you laugh in the morning, you cry at night. Yeah, but you get you get what it, it is. It's no. like, don't, not so fast. Right. Don't be so happy so fast. Right. Because you never know when the shit's going to hit the fan. My father's mother, grandma, used to have an expression, pretty soon Vinta. Pretty soon Vinta. Meaning right. that if you're so happy right now, don't be so happy. That's what I'm saying. Winter's coming, so don't I, be so happy. That's what I'm saying. All right, but... So when you're dealing with elderly loved ones... Where'd that come from? Aging parents. Oh. This is our new reality right now. Okay? This is These are the things, the thoughts that go through your head. Like, okay, not so fast. You can get a call any minute now or... Uh-huh. Right. But so this is why we laugh as much as possible. We try to. We try to find the humor in things, too. That's also, it's a kind of a weird knee-jerk reaction that we will have because I think the natural inclination is to be sad and feel bad and 
but something inside us triggers the opposite reaction and we're going to try to find humor because there are things that are very there funny are fu- there are funny things that we are confronted <clears throat> with constantly you have to find the humor in it and we are of that age and a lot of our peers are and i i know that it's not the sexiest topic for a dating and relationship show no it's not it's not <clears throat> especially when we're talking about you know no it, but it's caregiving and incontinence and what incontinence is sexy it's hot <laughs> so glad you think so. <laughs> you see how we're doing dealing with this, people? We, <laughs> All you could do is laugh. I swear to God, if we're not crying, we're laughing. So, or screaming. <laughs> that too. But you know, this is part of life and part of this time of life. And I'm really kind of interested in where this is taking us and I do feel that it is there is something about adversity that is kind of beautiful and it bonds you to people and it deepens you and it makes you a richer more textured person I, I say that all the time about pain and suffering because I do see the silver lining in it and all the time but wow this is a new level of pain and suffering there is a new <clears throat> level of this just talking about aging parents so I always say that for those of us who are fortunate enough to still have our parents, we are all going through a similar thing right now where they are in need of care and the care they need is so much different than the care they provided us when we were infants and adolescents and growing up. So, And sometimes the care that we are going to be providing them will be longer than the you know mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. 12 to 18 years that they mm-hmm. provided us when we needed right. them at that point and it's a more difficult type of care as well yeah the full circle of it is mind-blowing it really is and what yeah. it brings up in you right. having to care for your aging parents i mean for me because they're in this town first of all and you know they're not too far away and but I had the double whammy of it so I lost my father and then right at that point my mom went into assisted living right this was a boom 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 yeah so we did an episode on grief because I wanted to address that because that's also very new for me and now we're going to devote this episode to talking about caring for the parents that are here or any loved one, any spouses or anybody, and how the caregiving process, how that affects you and, and your relationships, your health, your well-being, and everything around you. And I think, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> what was that? A little snorkel. All right. No drink, no laughing when drinking. Thank God for editing. Okay. I'm going to keep that in. What the fuck was I saying? About how the full circle. No, that's what you were saying. About how caregiving. The thing about caring for your parents, I believe, is that you cannot disregard your own life. You cannot give up your life to care for your parents. Mm -hmm. And you can't be guilty about it you have to devote the correct amount of time to them, but without neglecting mm-hmm. yourself. 
And I want to talk about this today yeah. with our guest. It's a juggling act. It's plate spinning. Yes. Remember the old plate spinning act on Ed Sullivan? Mm-hmm. Where it start this end, start spinning, spinning, and then you know work its way down, and it's... then run back to the first plate to keep because it's starting to wobble and almost fall off. You got to keep that spinning, and then and then you got to hurry back to the end of the that last plate and a... start spinning that. That's how I feel. Whatever happened to that act? It sounds like a Broadway Danny Rose. I loved it act. though. Well, sure. I loved Ed Sullivan. It's like my favorite show on Sunday nights. Was it Sunday nights? Yes. Ed Sullivan. But yes, that's what it feels like. Part juggling, part plate spinning. But you cannot neglect yourself. You cannot. And, and, for the care you're giving others. Right. Because, boy, will it yes. it demands a lot of you. And, man, it will test you and exhaust you and annoy you. and uh, Oh, a range of emotions. Well, I think the important thing here is that this is a relationship and a dating show. And for people that are in their 50s and are experiencing having to care for their parents and are single, you can't give up one for the other. You have to have good time management and able to juggle and And spin the plates. And this is the important thing here. So uh, we will be discussing this. And boundaries, of course. Big time boundaries. Which are hard to set anyway because you feel like you're being a bad person if you set boundaries. Saying no is really hard. Saying no, you know, I can't, I'm not available, uh, you know, oh my God, that really Well, it can <clears> affect you. And you, you that's, if you feel guilty about that, we're, we're going to hopefully deal with that issue. Yeah. It's, like I said, it could be the most incredible opportunity for bonding and strengthening whatever relationships that you have or the people that you're dating i mean wow this has been at times the hardest thing for our marriage the hardest thing on our marriage i can see where it would be the hardest thing for a single person to deal with as well and a single person who's dating and trying to maintain a social life and you know Mm -hmm. personal life during this whole thing when you're being pulled in fifteen thousand different directions so if you are out there listening to this and nodding your head yes and yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, you came to the right podcast. Okay, so who's our guest today? Carol Brecht. Carol Brecht. Yeah, who's a friend. I think she might be a super fan of Done Being Single. One of the early, you know yeah. Um, we met through the show somehow. I can't remember. I, she'll probably remember. She's fantastic. She's not just a great friend and fan. She has tons of experience in the caregiving world, and she has single life experience and knows how to kind of juggle it all and can give us great tips and pointers. Okay, so let's go to our first break, and then we will come right back with Carol Brecht. And without further ado, I'm going to uh, introduce our guest. Our guest today is an award-winning author, social media influencer, entrepreneur, Zen Tangle artist, marketing maven, and global caregiver advocate, Carol Brecht. Carol authored The Artistry of Caregiving Book on Amazon. A work of art and inspiration, it lets you know you're understood and not alone. That's what the this episode is for. As a global caregiver advocate, she supports you no matter where you are on that journey, and she's here for you. 
Carol spent the last decade caring for her parents as coordinator of care and primary caregiver. Carol's caregiver duties started in 2009, providing care for both her parents. Carol also has experience in the dating world. She was married once, has four kids, divorced for several years, and knows what it's like to juggle caregiving and dating at the same time time. Wow. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. She owns TangledArtBoutique.com with her sister Jan Steinley. It's a fun place to shop with their original Zentangle art. Carol's social media community goes by the name of San Gen Woman, the heart of the sandwich generation and is represented by 10,000 people from 45 countries. She also has a blog containing 120 posts geared towards people in midlife that are caring for their loved ones. Welcome to her world and to Done Being Single. Hi, Carol. Welcome, Carol. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm thrilled to be here. We're thrilled to have you. You're the woman of the hour. I mean, who better than you to talk on this stuff? Thank you. Thank you so much for that introduction. I I really appreciate it. And I I just want to start off by saying, like, I really commend you for doing this show. I listened to so many dating podcasts over the last 18 months, like tons of them. And I've never heard of a, a podcast that combined caregiving and dating. It's a really important topic, as you described at the beginning, and you're actually living right now. Well, we may so, find out soon that there's a reason that you haven't heard this type of a show before. Right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But we think it's important <laughs> enough of a subject that it should be tackled as well. It's not, like I said, it's not the sexiest or provocative. Yeah, but you know what? Um, it, it's a mature subject that adults need to know about and be prepared for. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope the show's, you know, entertaining. There's some humor. There's some really great takeaways that you're inspired. My entire uh, Sanjin Woman community is all about lifting you up, and it's all about inspiration visually through my art and through my words. All the messages I do, everything I've crafted, uh, believe it or not, really hard to believe out of, you know, the hardest, hardest journey in my life caring for my parents. I have a body of work that's all about inspiration. I'm curious. Okay, so just going way, way, way back, how did the caregiving duties fall to you? Before, I just want to interject here, Trevor. I just wanted to let the audience know, you and I go pretty far back, actually. And and yes, I am probably your super fan of Dumping Single. I love your podcast. It's probably my main go-to. I might listen to one other. I pretty much cut back on podcasts, but you're... You're my go-to for dating advice. Thank you. Um, yes, and and we met through when I reached out to you when you were writing The Blooming Bride mm-hmm. before you got married, and I'm guessing that was at least seven years ago oh when gosh. I sent you an email, and uh, our friendship became fast. Right, 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 right. Yes, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, we do so, go way back. We do. That I was remember cool. that now, yeah. Anyway, the reason why I uh, ended up being the person, I have three siblings, and I'm going to focus on my role. I live closest to my parents. I was super duper close with them, and my business had closed, and I was expecting to get a job within six months. I had a really nice network of professionals. My mother got sick at 82. My dad was still working. He didn't retire until he was 85. So it was kind of like the no-brainer. My siblings were working, and um, I want to say, you know, there is kind of like a personality type. If you want to be somebody who is empathetic and compassionate, as you know, it takes a lot out of you 
at times to stay on it, to meet the demands, to meet the responsibilities. And I just have that nature. I'm a nurturing person. So I stepped up like so many millions of people around the world right now. This is like huge. It's it's interesting that you mentioned the closeness to your parents. There's so much to be said about that because so many siblings can be spread across the country and it's the sibling that is the closest to the parents that just naturally takes on the the caregiver role I feel and the others kind of are off the hook Mm -hmm. in a physical manner obviously Mm -hmm. but they have to compensate in other ways or they're really not involved at all so they either compensate financially emotionally by making phone calls because that's kind of how I am with my father who is 98 and lives in Mexico with my oldest sister, Wendy. So she's down there being the main caregiver. My other sister's down there as well right now for a few months out of the year, which is wonderful. And all I can do is just kind of call and be in touch with him on a daily basis, which I do, and really enjoy our talks every evening. But I, I know it does fall on the person that is the closest to them. Yes, but let me let me point this out because this is important to the audience. I have, well, my sister just moved uh, recently this past summer, but all three of my siblings lived in town and, you know, we're a very close-knit family. So I had just closed my shop. I, I had an art gallery and I closed shop and my siblings were working full time. Now, there is something to be said here. There are siblings that get really involved, whether it's a phone call or they're getting updates I'm not going to really reflect on this personally, how it exactly went for me, but, you know, my experience, people that are actively caregiving, they go through a period where, and maybe a long period, where they feel pretty alone and withdrawn and isolated. So for me, I had my dad when we cared for my mom. He was, we we were a team. Mm -hmm. And that's who my support system was. You're lucky. I can see where this fractures families. And where animosity is created because, you know, one sibling isn't picking up the slack or stepping up, or there's me that I have no siblings. And I could see where it just, oh my God, it's exhausting. It's at times very, very exhausting. It is. Especially if you don't. Oh, yes. For sure. I do want to add to that, though, that, you know, my siblings were involved in that they they did call my parents, they went to see them, they had regular days, they were involved. Initially, Jan did help out a little, but she was helping to care for her mother-in-law. But but primarily, I was a coordinator of care and the uh, point of contact for everything. I was a liaison to everything. And I had no senior training, so I, you know, probably like you guys, I had to grow into that role, and that learning curve was gigantic. And did you have professional help, or did you ever hire someone? Yes, but only when my mother got really sick. My mother ended up having Alzheimer's. She was diagnosed around 82. Prior to her formal diagnosis, we saw a couple slips. She was a really gentle soul, really awesome mom, and but it became apparent something was happening, so we had her formally diagnosed. So there came a time where my mom's mobility was not great, but it was well into that journey, probably at least a year and a half, probably close to two years. She lived five years with Alzheimer's, so it was at least a couple years into that journey, and you know I was spending a ton of time with her. Like as soon as I closed shop, we were a team. And I had no idea what Alzheimer's was, Alzheimer's was like. There's over 30 different dementias, by the way. So I didn't even know the word caregiver. I stepped up as the daughter. 
And so by the time she, I think she took a fall, I think that's what caused us to bring in, we hired a formal service, which that can be pricey. One of the things that I'm going to suggest is that if you do need some outside care just because you need a break or because you do need the added care or you need round-the-clock care, my advice is to not hire your friends or family if you mm-hmm. can avoid it mm-hmm. because they become privy to things that you most likely don't want them to be privy of. That goes without saying. I wouldn't. I don't think anybody who has family or friends that are not professionals in this type of profession should be even considered to be a caregiver. Those are companions. There's a difference. And it happens all the time, Robbie. Really? Uh, it goes on all the time. There's people when you're in a pinch. I mean, it, you know, without going into a lot of detail here, it did happen to me, and it, it was um, problematic. And mm-hmm. so I say that because I experienced it, and it was uh, it put a strain, and it was really difficult. And uh, looking back, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I have no regrets on how I cared for my folks. I gave it my best, and so I have peace of mind with that. But I did learn some things along the way, and when you're in a pinch and you can't afford like if you're hiring a service that uh, is promoting like uh, visiting angels or whatever comfort keepers things like that they charge a lot of money mm-hmm. so if you are going to be charging a private hire you may decide wow this is so much cheaper i'm going to do this i mean i would be doing background checks i would be getting referrals I would have a visit and see how it goes. You know, there's a lot of screening to be done if you want to feel comfortable having somebody come to the house or spend time with your right. your loved one. We got a recommendation from my mother's doctor. He works with an agency, and so I felt very comfortable right away. And they were great. And they ended great. up being yeah. fantastic. Yeah, they were excellent. I mean, so responsive. 24-7, if you needed something or if there was a change or if there was a, you know, a schedule, something, you could just text and boom, they'd have a new person there and it was no problem. I mean, it was so seamless was a, and fantastic. Was I, that a professional service? Yes, yes. Okay, because that's like apples and oranges. When you're talking about professional so we had that service and it was, it was awesome. It was great. Yeah, um, it really, and it is pricey. This stuff adds, oh, it, it up. adds up. I mean, elder care, holy shit. And it, most of it's not covered by Whoa. insurance. Whoa. So. Wow. Yeah. It, it's it's, uh, it's well, mind-boggling. If, if you have long-term insurance, it might cover a portion, but it'll bleed you. It, it takes a village, right? Yeah. And I was listening at the beginning when you were talking about you know how we're caring for our parents, and it is different from when they cared for us when we were little. I'm sure you, I'm guessing you had a time when you had the experience of, you were experiencing role reversal. Oh, God, yeah. You know, it's like all of a sudden you're calling the shots or you're making critical decisions. You have critical thinking. You have to make certain discernments about how to move forward. And and sometimes it happens very quickly. Yes, that is true. It's time to go to break. Sorry. All right, good. Let's take our second I want to lighten this up a little bit if we can. No, we don't have to. I I want to tackle a couple of subjects, including long-term care and other things that people our age should be looking at. We'll continue this. We'll be right back with more from Carol Brecht. Carol, so we ended the last segment talking about some caregiving services and long-term care. What's your feelings on, it's probably never too early to start, right? I would totally agree with that. And I want to thank this to your audience. You know, I didn't, I didn't even know the word caregiver till long into my journey. I stepped up like the daughter, like all the sons and daughters around the world are doing. I didn't know what was 
going to be happening. I didn't know what I was walking into. I didn't know it was going to last 10 years uh, when my mother got Alzheimer's. And whether it's Alzheimer's or whatever illness or malady you might be facing beyond somebody who's basically just aging and needs some help, we did not read about it. And our family's pretty well read and educated. And we usually research stuff. And I want to say that Looking back on it now, I mean, we got a lot of books from people about it. Of course, the internet's loaded with information. It would be my recommendation that you definitely read what's coming down the pike. But I want to say part of that reason, looking back on that, there is a kind of like, I would describe a denial curve when you are facing life and death matters or major diseases or things on the horizon that are really scaring you or you don't understand. It's to me, kind of a self-preservation when you're not picking up the book or you're learning in advance what's coming because you almost can't wrap your head around it. Mm -hmm. So it's important. I encourage people, whatever you're facing, to definitely dig in, read about it, learn about it. And there's a million caregiver support groups Mm -hmm, all over the mm -hmm. internet and everywhere now. It's a boom. There's resources everywhere. The support is so essential to getting through this. It's so, I highly recommend joining a support group on Facebook or wherever. Because luckily I have Robbie. If I had to do this alone, I would do it. You do it. You do, you were called and you step up. And, you know, as a dutiful daughter, this is what I do. And by the way, you know, it's not such a stretch for me. I'm in the health and wellness business as it is. This is what I do. I help, I nurture, take care of people, and I get them stronger and healthier. So this is kind of in my wheelhouse, but nothing really prepares you for it you just i don't know you just find it in you but with that said yes there are ways to prepare now learn about it research the things that you're going to need but and also financially that's just also a mind blower because it is it is very expensive that's something i had i I had no idea i I would agree if anybody out there ends up hiring like a neighbor or you know whatever companion I would just encourage you, you keep track of the hours. You don't rely on anybody to track the hours. It's completely up to you. Figure out a system that works best for you. It's vital because people getting ripped off is no joke. It happens and it happens all the time. People are taken advantage of and so on. So I I would encourage you to track the the hours on that. In lieu of what you said about you have Robbie, Mm -hmm. I did not. A lot of my journey was by myself. Mm I was dating and had some people in my life, but when I look back on my history of who I was gravitating towards then, the the people that I was allowing in my life to, you know, have some sort of dating relationship, that's not who I am today, and they were poor choices for me. So even if during some of that time I had somebody in my life, they were not supportive. Hmm. And when I say that, and so as far as caregiving and dating, is it possible? It really depends how demanding the role is, how much responsibility, how much time you have to put in. But if you are going to engage with somebody and even try and meet some people during this journey, please understand you're looking for somebody who is compassionate and empathetic, not somebody who's self-focused and all about them. Right, right. When are you going to be free? So let's talk about that. You obviously encountered some people that you were dating that were not sympathetic or empathetic to what it is you were going through at the time. And that's a great red flag warning, get out now, probably. Well, I can tell you, so, you know, to disclaim that, as I was saying, it's like who I am today and the way I vet people is so different than when I did back then. 
And, you know, I was on my own and I wasn't like an especially clingy person. I'm a pretty social person, but I'm young at heart. I wanted somebody in my life. And so I was meeting people. And the way that today is much different. But initially when you're meeting somebody, people are generally on their best behavior and they're trying to engage you generally. And today, I mean, I, I would see a red flag like a million miles away, but you know, people can be very deceptive and people generally that are selfish don't present themselves that way initially. Correct. So, well, you will find you out know, eventually, right? You will. Yeah. You know, if you're feeling really stressed, your emotions are raging right now while you're dealing with juggling and dealing with so much, it's not the greatest time for you to try and connect, you know, trying to find a support system, like you said, Trevor, maybe through Facebook or social media, but even maybe through assisted living or the churches, temples around you offer all kinds of groups, social services. Uh, that's one way to meet people beyond like having a dating profile mm -hmm, necessarily mm -hmm. or trying to get somebody matchmaking you. But my journey was really lonely and I ended up writing my book because at the end of my mother's life, five years into it, I was like, oh my gosh, my experience has been so lonely, so isolating, and so I felt so misunderstood. It's like, I need to help some people and let them know they're okay right. and they can connect to me. I, it was really like a calling. I've never had that experience before in my life. I feel like today is kind of a calling to start this way because people are really struggling. I mean, I'm so glad you had Robbie in your life to deal with it. Yeah. It's not lost on me, the timing of when and how we met. I just think that i mean do i wish we we had met years and years and years ago yes no oh did i say that out loud <laughs> but uh there's something kind of fantastic that he came into my life right if as we the met shit back was then the who fan. knows if we would have survived right who, who knows if it would have worked right. out for other reasons That's that you true. were correct so i don't question that you just said something about finding someone dating people who will understand your journey and i sort of liken dating while caregiving or dating while taking care of aging loved ones is sort of like dating people with kids in a way because look the bottom line is these are my kids and they're an important part of my life and it's a deal breaker and it's kind of like same thing with aging parents or elderly loved ones i know you i know, think kids I'm, are more important but but you're the, not, but yeah. if they can't handle that if they can't handle it they're not for you yeah, but see, the thing is, it depends on how needy you are and how drained you are and how exhausted you are. If somebody comes along and they're paying attention to you, it's you know, it's pretty easy to turn your head. You have to understand, and you do understand this. It's like when you're really feeling down and out, your emotions are out of check, your heartstrings are being pulled, you're not sure what's happening or when it's going to end, and somebody shows up in your life and they're paying attention to you, it's pretty easy to maybe go with that for a while but i would say this to you as well i'm in a position now i'm on this side of the coin where you know my parents aren't here now and i'm meeting people that are caregiving and i have a screening for it because i'm not going to get involved with somebody who is knee deep in caregiving and it looks like he's going to be doing it for the next two to five years it's not for me well that's good that you and know that well those are boundaries yeah. Boundaries so are really I, important. What I would say is, like, if I'm meeting somebody, I, you know, my, my first few questions are, like, before I even get into the caregiving, how long have you been on your own? For me personally, I like it when somebody's on their own at least a year. 
So they've had some downtime to themselves and maybe have done some reflection, hopefully. And if you have been on your own for a year, do you still have leftover feelings or still have current feelings for your last partner? I've run into this a ton on both these cases. And thirdly is, are you taking care of anybody? Do you have kids at home? Mm-hmm. Kids is one thing. Caregiving is different. Kids are going to grow up and get out the door. And for me personally, I probably would not date anybody that has children unless they were like seniors in high school or in college. That's reasonable. I'm like fancy free right sure, now. Sure, and sure. I, this is the first time in my life <clears throat> I'm not taking care of my children or my parents. And it's an exciting time of life to like, hey, I'm cutting loose and I can do whatever I want and right on. go anywhere I want and, you know, whatever. Carol, talk about time management and the feeling of guilt if you feel you're either not spending enough time with your parents' care or too much time on your own stuff. Oh my gosh, what a topic. That is really something. I can tell you, I felt engulfed in it pretty early on. I mean, my mother was pretty needy. She was losing her memory. And I was a very social person at that time. I had a million friends and I ran around a lot and was hardly ever home. And so that journey became so sad so quickly I mean, I really grieved for 10 years. This is probably the first I've had a real surge of feeling so much joy in my life because my parents would want me to. But at any rate, time management is, especially if you're working full time, for me personally, that was my full time job. So I wasn't juggling a career. The people that are working full time and you are feeling stretch the limit, you're not meeting kids' needs, it's your husband's needs, and you, you're the one on call constantly. It, whether you're a single child or your siblings are not involved and they refuse to be, you've got to figure out a way, whether it's through social services, your right. you know, like temples and churches or friends and, and your connections to get some relief for yourself because you can't do it all. You're going to max out. And caregiver burnout, by the way, yes. is something for real. It's a phenomena and it, and it happens and I experienced it twice. And it's a well-known stat, if you're involved in this industry at all, that caregivers can get really sick and actually even potentially pass before the person they're taking care of um, passes. So it's no joke. No, it's not. And you have a caregiver for a caregiver for the caregiver. Yeah. That's kind of who I am. Nurturing the nurturers. The being on call part is new. And that is stressful yes. for me in regards to nurturing the nurturers. That is so true because I remember my dad in the last final weeks of his life had hospice care and those girls worked so hard and I felt so bad for them. And I remember coming over one day and saying, why don't you go take a, take a walk, get some air, go outside, get some, some sunlight and, and what else do you need? And how can I help you? And do you need a neck rub? And I just, I felt it's, I get where you're coming from. That's all I'm going to say. Carol. I think, so, I think it's great that you recognize that, you know, I couldn't unload on my kids. So, and I didn't want to, I could have, I didn't want to, I, I held a lot in. So I love caring for the caregivers and being an advocate and being here for you guys, because uh, well, I love you guys and I care about you guys. Yes. And I'm concerned for everybody. Okay, we have to go to our final break. So we're going to do that right now, and we'll be right back with more from Carol Brecht. I really want to talk about boundaries and self-care, which I think I love, are two... I love those topics, Trevor. Yeah, to it. yeah. Any time of life, you, you know, boundaries and self-care, 
two of my favorites, and they're so important. Robbie and I, as we're talking about this, I just remembered a mutual friend that Robbie and I have. We ran into in the market, and he's a single guy, and uh, and he looked terrible. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't recognize himself in this. <laughs> he looked tired. <laughs> he he just looked really really worn out. And yeah. and we said, hey, are you okay? Are you dating? Are you still single? What's up? He said, oh no 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 no, I'm I'm taking care of my mom. I'm taking care of her, you know, it's pretty much. It's become a full-time job for It's him. become a full-time, and this is not his job. He is, you know, he's got good, a job. Good-looking guy and, you know, just Good-looking guy. Okay, so he looked a little tired. He didn't look terrible. And, and I didn't know what to say. But I felt this, bad for him. I felt yeah. so bad for him, and I think he was feeling a combination of things and not able to have a life because he was either guilt ridden or he couldn't afford caregiving or for whatever reason it just looked like it was taking its toll on him and I felt really bad and I think there's a lot of people like him out there you felt it I mean you literally you know our energy is either positive or negative we're either up with we're either filling ourselves up or we're depleted and you know I, I want to comment about self-care and so you know I've been teaching it since I launched in 2015 my Facebook page and my blog and then all the other social media places. But when uh, my parents passed, man, what a wake up call. I had to look in the mirror and be like, oh my gosh, self-care, how do I do it? It's like, that is, this is a story for another day, but that, that is kind of a missing link in the uh, caregiving industry. Like the people like me who stepped out, like I would have loved being debriefed. Like where are the social services for me, for people like me around the world that mm -hmm, are mm -hmm. no longer caregiving? I need, I need some help. So I created my own, own self-care plan. But one of the things I want to say, people that are caregiving generally, and this is not across the board, and nothing is in stone today. So a lot of times people have this personality type, the really nurturing caregivers. They may have a sensitive side to them. They may have a tendency to overgive. They don't know how to ask for help, or they feel like, not necessarily based on guilt, it's just in their personality type, where they feel like they just got to keep going, 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 going. And if you're at the very least, you've got to get a shower and a square meal, uh, at least one square meal a day. You've got to keep up with your laundry. Those are all the basics. But unless, and, and you're probably so busy, you don't even, you might, you might not even be able to listen to this, this uh, episode in, in entirety all at once. But that is one thing, like, that's probably part of my calling to write that book was like, oh my gosh, I had to help these people understand they're not alone and right. where I am. Right. And so that is so critical that you are taking time out to breathe at the end of the day to reflect get a clipboard carried everywhere so you don't have to remember everything just write down anything that happened in that day assert yourself to all the staff members that you're dealing with make them your best friends but also ever feel bad if you have to ask the same question 10 different ways mm -hmm, mm -hmm. squeaky wheel and it's so important that you are confident in the answers you get and you understand how to proceed. And most likely you're staying 10 steps ahead. So, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to write a checklist, you know, do this, this, that, and that. I mean, honestly, I really didn't learn the words until my dad passed the words boundaries and the word no. Yeah. And no is a complete sentence. No is a complete sentence. It was very liberating to really get that word. And boundaries, I was that kind of person who's like, oh, whatever you need, whatever you need. Whatever. It was just in my nature and personality type, I thought. 
But when I really started thinking about like, wait a minute, I don't really want to do this. And when I started doing some self-reflection after all, you know, after the folks aren't here now, it's like, oh my God, I had time to think about myself and what just happened. And so I had to work myself back to being feeling strong and solid and grounded, which I am. Mm. It's a lot of work. And I, I just wish I would have done a little more of that work right. during the time. Here's my advice, and I know nothing. I mean, I'm really new at this, but I you know, know now I, I know enough now. I, I kind of have the lay, I got the lay of the land here. So my right. advice to people like us that are dealing with aging parents or loved ones is to really, really be mindful of your boundaries and really know your limits and know yeah. when to say no. And also don't work so hard. So here's the balance. Make enough effort, do what you can, do your best, okay? And, but then to a point where you say, okay, I've got to, st- I got to stop now. I can't, I can't keep going like this or I have to pull back and be okay with that so that you can sleep at night. Do you get what I'm saying? That's always my, my measure, my gauge. Can I sleep at night? Do I feel good about the day that I just put in? Do I feel good about the care that I just gave my parents? Did I fulfill my expectations? Because then I can sleep at night and not feel, not feel guilty because the guilt will eat you up, I think. There's different kinds of guilt, though. If you're feeling really plagued with guilt, so are, and this is not you. I'm not directing it to you. I'm just saying in general. If you're feeling really guilty, like, are you doing enough? And can you do more? But if you are really giving it your best and you feel certain you are and you're still feeling bad, that is where that personality type, which I did have that. I don't have that now, but it was like, I got to do more. I got to do more. I got I, I to gotta overgive. I got to keep going. And, you know, my self-care lagged. Yeah. So, you know, once my mom passed in 2014, my dad's end of life care was much different. He didn't, he didn't have dementia. So, you know, we were talking till the day before he passed. And, um, you know, I was just so glad that we were so connected. We, I was just so close to my folks. So it depends on what you're dealing with, truly. And are you, are you the kind of person who digs for information and wants to learn? Or are you just going to kind of like be victimized by the journey? Sure. Or let it take you down. Or use it as an excuse, which yes. you could also do to get yourself out of having to look good and be social and get out there and date you know that's a great excuse oh i can't i you know i can't i don't have time i don't have money i don't i don't look good i don't feel good i'm i can't i you know i can't leave my mom i can't leave my dad that's kind of what that friend of ours was saying in the market oh i can't go out i gotta take care of my mom he couldn't afford to have a hair caregiver that's and that's why and by the way we also have a cousin right okay um who i think it got to the point where it started to affect his his whole you know temperament i mean he got to the point where he was so tired taking care of his aging mother that wow i mean he had you know hair trigger anger and low patience and he got annoyed and irritated with everybody around him and then she went into assisted living and boy did he change and so did she and she did too she's thriving now because she's yes. getting better care so he's happier she's happier he's not stressed right very important. I have a question. Think, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. My question is, you've had experience with Alzheimer's patients, Carol? Yes, I have. Yes, my mom had it. Okay. So 
for those that don't have that experience, what tips do you have? Because I think that in my experience dealing with my mom's Pick's disease, which was a frontal lobe dementia, it's so easy for us to get frustrated and angry when someone who is no longer normal is not able to act normal and give normal responses. And we can't get mad at them. That's the probably the worst thing for everybody involved. So what is the best way to deal with a parent that is in the throes of that? Well, I would say, you know, I, I think it's great that you're recognizing that your anger is flaring. I mean, that's an indication to you you need to change something. Some people who are not attuned like that or they're just like, oh, my God, this is too hard. I'm just, I don't even know what to do. The thing about Alzheimer's or dementia, there's no scars. The person looks the same. And when they're parroting what you're saying, it's like, oh, my God, what aren't you hearing? So that's where I would really encourage, and I wish we would have done this early on with my mom because, I, you know, I can't regret it. I'm just saying mm-hmm. I wish. But, you know, I would have read more about it and what does it look like? And there's ways to redirect people that are fixated on certain things or they're not grasping what you're saying or they're making demands. I mean, you might see, depending on how well advanced dementia is, you could see all kinds of stuff with where you don't even recognize that person in the least. They could be ranting. They could have been a very mild-mannered person and they could be ranting. They could be screaming. Mm -hmm. There's no way to calm them down. And that's where learning about how to redirect people and how to speak to them on their level, that would be a big thing for me. Like, I love my mom, and so I did my best. And, you know, I I really didn't, I wasn't yelling at her or anything. But if I want to understand better how to speak at her level, how to relate to her better, and that would have only come from me educating myself because I I didn't know. And I think that's part of the problem so, is that you're, we're so used to them being normal and giving normal responses that when they stop giving those normal responses, we can't help but get frustrated. And that can sometimes turn into anger, which is so misplaced because they don't deserve the anger. They can't process that. And that frustrates them because they know they're probably not giving the right answer or the answer that's going to make you happy. So there has to be a, a better way for the smarter person, which is now us, to deal with that's this. Right. And I mean, you have to, if you if you want to do a really good job, I mean, you don't want to look back like coulda, shoulda, woulda, which you shouldn't anyway, because you're doing the best you can with the knowledge you have, then you will do some reading to understand how to meet somebody at that level, which could completely transform your experience and their experience of this disease or, or, you know, any kind of actually meeting somebody where they're at is really helpful. But don't be too hard on yourself. And I, as I said earlier in the show, self-denial of what's happening, it's my belief that it's part of our sanity and our self-preservation because right. what is happening is such a mind warp. You right. can't mm-hmm. even believe what's going on sometimes. And as a decline persists, sometimes it plateaus and sometimes it goes fast, your head's spinning a lot because it's not easy to stay grounded. And that's why self-care is really so important. It's just beyond getting a shower. You've got to yes. connect to some people who can support you. And Absolutely. Going, to your, going to your friends is not really going to do it. I would also say at the same time, you shouldn't be hard on yourself. You should also pat yourself on the back. Yes. Because 
I will tell you there is so much that I've learned about myself and things I never knew I had in me that are surprising me and delighting me and giving me a sense of pride. Um, As hard as the job is, man, you will, when you dig deep like this, you come up with some great things. And I, I would just, I want to remind everybody who is going through this to hang in there and make sure that you give yourself a ton of love and praise because you may not yeah. get it and no one's going to say hey great job you have no. to say that to yourself that's, that's so important and make sure that there see. aren't and make sure that you do not have regrets or guilt and that you can sleep at night mm-hmm. that's really really important i can't you're can't doing the best for you can for them and the best you can for yourself if you do have it you know you can observe it it doesn't have to rule you we need a part we have two. To, we have to wrap. We have to wrap up our this show. This is a Carol, part two. This is for sure a part yeah, two so, topic. Don't worry about it, Carol. If not today, we will get to it uh, another time. Unfortunately, it's I just time. Wanted to, to, I just okay. want to disclaim one thing. When I was talking earlier at the beginning of the show, and I'm like, "Well, I don't want to date somebody this way or that way." And no, it's not really like that. There's exceptions to every rule, so I don't want anybody to take any offense to anything that I said. No, no one's going to. Like, you know, is different. Today. No, no, no. Your With, criteria is is personal. So don't okay. uh, don't apologize. Carol, tell us, tell our audience how they can find you. Oh, so my website that you can find me at is tangledartboutique.com. And if you scroll down to the bottom of the page, whether you're on the computer or on your phone, you'll see the about there that uh, my sister owns that business with me. Um, we have a huge gallery of all kinds of really cool art. We have a ca- caregiver gallery uh, there too. And all of our social media links are there. I also am I'm kind of looking at like this as a gift um, because generally people do not give out their email addresses on any podcast that I've listened to. But I want you to connect to me at cbconnect4444 at gmail.com. If you need some support, you have some questions, I'm here for you. Okay. Wonderful. And I can personally vouch for Carol as a friend, as I said, a friend and a fan and an artist and a source of inspiration and support. I read her book, she sent it to me. Her artwork is gorgeous. She's so a much. wonderful yes, person. The of Caregiving, Letters to Inspire Your Caregiving yes. Journey on Amazon. Okay. Please check it out. And, uh, Carol, thank you so much. You can find us at dunbeansingle.com and please follow us at, at dunbeansingle and at trevabeme and subscribe so that this great content comes to you. You don't have to go looking for it. All right, everybody. Thank you, guys. Carol, thank, thank you, you Carol. so much. Everybody have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Yes, keep up the good work, caregivers right. out there of America Bye, and beyond. Unite. I'm Shadow Stevens with my friends, Trevor and Robbie. See you next week on Done Being Single.